Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Marin, and this week I'm going to find someone I hate and give them a gift. <laughs> Barry is here to talk to us about loving our enemies, but before we break out our thank you notes, now that he's back from carefully stacking his charcoal bucket into a deceptively generous mound, please welcome back from the gutter of society, our favorite shriveled husk, wow. Barry Rodriguez. Wow, thank welcome, you. Welcome, Barry. It's great to be here, Marin. Wow. Uh, we are having some fun. Yay! Technical difficulties. <laughs> I'm in the driver's seat again, friends of the pod. I've only done this once before in my life. And uh, you're, do, you're doing oh, great. Goodness, you're doing incredible. So, you're already doing such a great job. I've been on this podcast for five years, and this is the most nervous I will ever be. Settle down. <laughs> there you go. See, it was perfect. Uh, a little concern. You said something about, I'm going to find someone I hate and give them a gift. Barry's here. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Made me kind of concerned, Marin. How dare you? <laughs> if you give me a gift today, I'll be very sad. No, yeah, I can't give a gift to anyone no, this no. week after that. No. No gift giving. Uh, we've got a guest. We do. Introduce our guest. All right. Our guest today is our very own pastor of operations, Jeff Unruh. Hey. Yay! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Glad to be here, guys. Good to Thanks have you for here. Me Welcome, Chef. It. Is this the first time you've been on Between Sundays? This is the first time. Wow. Ever? Five ever, years. ever? Yeah, yeah. I approved all the money when Tyler was <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You were he Tyler's finally, boss. He had to so leave and go on sabbatical so I could show up on the show. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> I'm blown away that this is your first time on our podcast. Yeah, well, I don't know how much of a podcaster i'm gonna oh be. you're gonna so be we'll great see. you're gonna Thanks. start your own after this i guarantee it <laughs> dubious oh well welcome to between sundays what we do at this point in our broadcast is just talk about what's new all right, right. Let's, we'll start with barry to just give you a little bit of a of a you know lay of the land right, barry awesome. what's new uh what's new or maybe what's returning Marin, <laughs> i am I'm back into my excitement about growing things, <laughs> even though it's Already? only January. Yeah. How is that like, possible? Well, now I'm at the like mapping it out stage, thinking through stuff, looking, checking the farmer's almanac to see if the last frost date has changed, that kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm going to be better this year than I was last year at seed starting. And guys, I'm going to start growing mushrooms. What kinds? Shiitake and oyster mushrooms. Yes, sir. Now we're talking. The the legal kind. Yeah, not psychedelic. Family show. Uh, Yeah, so that's the thing I'm excited about now. I've started started kind of mapping it out. And apparently mushrooms are not that hard to grow. You just need to get a nice shady spot that still gets rained on. Got to soak them every... If they ever dry out too much, you soak the log that has the little spore spore things like drilled into them or whatever. So you're going to drill a spore log? I might... Buy a pre-drilled spore log. Don't act like you're a big chef. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need to learn the ropes, and then next year I can start doing. You know, doing a lot more and mass producing. So but when is like mushroom harvest season? I think it happens like multiple times throughout the year. They they do what's called a flush, where like inside all the mycelium are eating the the rotting log, and on the outside they flush into the big kind of shapes that we are familiar with, and you cut that off the caps and all that. That's what you eat. And then it'll just continue to flush again every few months, maybe. Ooh. And then the, the log will last like three or four years. And so, yeah, I'm going to try it out. We're going to see. What piqued your interest in mushrooms? I'm asking because there's a, there's a TikToker uh-huh. who like all she does is harvest crazy I would awesome never mushrooms. harvest wild mushrooms. I'm too terrified <laughs> of dying. But, but I think, well, I, like I like mushrooms. They're, they're right, good. When I went to that place where I first bought my permaculture mm-hmm. my first few like f- 
fruit trees and things like that. They had mushroom logs for sale there. And I was very intrigued, but I was like, that's too much for me to get into right now. Um, so I, I kind of postponed it. And then this year I realized one of the things I want to do is build a water tank in the corner of my garden. That'll just make it a lot less tedious of having to drag hose all Mm -hmm. the way across the property. Um, and I realized, well, that'll be a nice, perfectly shady spot. I could have a mushroom log right behind there. And then one thing led to another. Look, I'm a seven. Yeah. Yeah. As as we've talked about before on the Enneagram. And that means that I, I attract hobbies. Like we can do this like crazy all the time. It's got to be the next bit. Literally Jeff got a thank you note from somebody, uh, a, a, a donor that you had thanked yes. wrote you a note to say, thank you. And it was, t- it was typewritten on a vintage pre-World War II, like 1920s or it 30s typewriter on this like wow. fancy thick yeah. paper with like a wax seal. And the moment, the moment you handed it to me, it, it I literally <laughs> held it in my hand and immediately my head was like, is this my new hobby? <laughs> Cause yeah, I, I get into Paul stuff Liv and put it on a list. I was like, look, I'm, I immediately was on Etsy seeing how much vintage typewriters <laughs> right. cost. Anyway, so I mushroom logs, it, the idea was in my head. Now it's going to happen. And then we're going to have tasty mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully someday. So I feel like I don't, I've never intentionally grown mushrooms, but they grow in my yard a couple yeah. times a year. Right. Yeah. But I don't think those are. The so, kind. and I, I, I don't, don't know much those, about yeah. mushrooms at all, but I read some article about, I think morels. Are they a Indiana mushroom? Yeah. I think that sounds familiar. And yeah. so then I just kind of got obsessed. Like I was looking for a morel under every bush mm. in every yard. I, a few times last year, I pulled my car over thinking that I saw one. <laughs> I, I really, really want to find morel mushrooms, but I, I'm not sure how I, some, somehow in my head, I think because I live in Indiana, <laughs> right. I'm just going to happen across one. When you're know. just, you know, wandering through the forest. Right. Yeah. Right. As you do. After a bit of rain. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. So yeah. anyway, that's what's new. I'm excited. I am going to be starting my seedlings a lot later, well, weeks later than I did last year because I started them way too early. Ah. So they were ready to go before the ground was ready for them to. When is the ground going to be ready for them? Is it after Mother's Day? Yeah, is that too late? Yeah, say this year? What's that? What did the almanac say? This well, year? April 23rd, I want to say, is the last frost date, which means it's the date where there's a less than 30% chance of frost. And so at that point, you're mostly safe, depending on the, some of them say plant them two weeks after your last frost date. Some of them say you can plant two weeks before your last frost date. So I have it all mapped out. I'm, I'm mapped very nerdy. Out. So That's anyway, incredible. it's fun times. So I'm excited. Nice. I'm going to grow some stuff. And this year, Liv and I are like, no holds barred. We're just going to grow vast quantities of whatever we want. We might even convert some of our big field into like a pumpkin patch just because we've got pigs that'll eat all this stuff. And so how fun is it to be able to give them wonderful food? So that's what's new with me. What's new with you, Jeff? What's new with you? What's new? Uh, well, this can be the most difficult part of the broadcast. If you're anything like me, I mean, the first thing I thought of was (laughs) that we bought a house last week. Yeah. Last week. Last week. Yeah. All the paperwork came through. We've been looking at, uh, uh, making a move up closer here. And, um, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, had decided because it's such a seller's market, uh, still, and looks like it's going to be that way for the near future Hmm. that if we were going to move, it was going to be a real hassle to find another house. And so we decided we might build. And uh, when I was doing real estate for a couple of years, we worked with a good company and uh, yeah, I, we found a, a townhome um, in the West part of, or the East part of Carmel. And 
all the paperwork came through. They said, you know, hey, we'll get it to you when we think we can start. And they got it to us on Friday. And so I've never, I've never bought a house before I sold a house. So it's a little bit terrifying. Sure. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I've been there. Have I've you? done it. Oh, yeah. But it's man. a seller's market, as I just heard from someone I trust. So... <laughs> Man. I'm sure you'll be fine. But it was terrifying, yes. It's still it's still <laughs> the idea of it, even yeah. though yeah, you know yeah, yeah. there's everybody no tells guarantee. You, yeah, there's no yeah. guarantee and but it would be nice really not to have to do a double move and yeah. sure. stuff like that. So yeah, we'll see. They said July or August and I don't know about I'm not holding my breath with supply yes. chain and everything yes. like that. I can't yeah. even imagine. And the weather, you know, if they can get into the ground and do all the stuff they need to do. So yeah, right. yeah we'll see. But um hmm. we're excited and Unlike you, Barry, I'm I'm ready to not have any yard at all to take care of. I'm super excited about that. I bet. Yeah. So I, you know, I you know enjoy other people's land. Okay, but you have a stuff. teenage boy, and isn't that what they're for? You yard know, work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now tell me about your. Was your teenage boy all about the yard work? No, no. neither of my teenagers <laughs> are. Doesn't matter. Actually, That's what they're for. <laughs> Jaden doesn't complain quite to the level that Desi does. Jaden gets to ride the riding lawnmower. Ooh. Oh, well, hey, that's time intensive. Yes. Desi has the job of like edging yeah. <laughs> and it's tedious uh, and she hates it. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> my, yeah, Max is fine about going to do other people's yards. His <laughs> grandfather's when he gets paid to ride the riding mower. Yeah. 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 No, no can do in our yard. <laughs> that's just the way of the world. I think. It is, yeah. I think nobody wants to do chores for their own family. So, so when you, all right, I'm, I'm curious when you build a townhome, yes. how, do you get, to make any choices or is it all kind of decided for you? It depends you on the company you're working with. Okay. So I, I don't know if we're allowed to name companies and that kind of stuff. So maybe I shouldn't, but yeah, we don't, we don't right, get, we don't have, do too many we don't have any endorsements. Yeah, no sponsors. <laughs> the particular company we're working with is a pretty much all inclusive kind of, so you okay. basically pay a fee. Um, and in this scenario, I don't think we picked, yeah, we didn't pick anything, which to be honest, it takes a load off because a, all the choices you got to make B, um, everything costs. Yeah. So if it's kind of all included and you kind of like the package deal, which we kind of liked everything yeah. they picked anyway. Yeah. It was, yeah, no, no nice. stress. It was super nice. My yeah. sister and brother-in-law are building a house and yeah. they're at that point where it's like, they have to choose everything. Oh. And it, mm. it's, I mean, it's too much. They're stress. into it, but especially Kevin, he's having a blast, but it's exhausting thinking like, well, if we just, if we decided to go with these types of cabinets, that's an additional X number of thousand dollars. Do we want to spend that money? It's just crazy. Wow. And yeah. they'd have to agree on everything. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. I feel like that would be the toughest <laughs> oh my part of that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like me. a part-time job. Just yeah, really, really. So no, it was You're super probably nice. doing it the right way. Everything yeah. was, everything was picked for us and with very, I don't think, yeah, very minor exceptions. That I wouldn't change anything. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's good. Thanks. That's Maren. Like guys, what is new? Everything you shared is way more exciting than most things going on in my uh, life right now. Uh, this for me is the most difficult part of every podcast over the years. <laughs> my brain goes blank. The minute Tyler looks at me and says, what's new? My brain just goes blank. Mm. Um, so I, I've mentioned on the podcast before, I love cooking for me. Cooking is coping. I've said mm -hmm. it yeah. many times, Love it. Um, especially at the end of a long stressful week. Yeah. Um, there were some excellent things that happened last week. We had our core team meeting. Mm -hmm. It's all awesome and good, but it does mean additional things to do and challenges and responsibilities yeah. Yeah. and nights longer at work, hours, longer yeah. hours, all that stuff. So at the end of a long week, I just want to cook something. I want to cook it low and slow, mm. you know, I want to take my time, just let it simmer away. Yeah. And so I made, I made green chili yesterday, which is essentially in my house. It's, uh, 
pork that you slow simmer mm. um, with some roasted poblano peppers and some masa to thicken it. It's very kind of Tex-Mexy, I guess. I don't know. I'm assuming you're not like awesome. buying pre-roasted poblano Why peppers. Why would I ever? <laughs> I did say low and slow. That was a little joke. Okay. But no, I was ripping the seeds and the veins out of the peppers. And po- poblanos are not supposed to be like crazy right. hot. Right. Just so happens, the index finger of my right hand has been burning all all day oh, no. burning oh, and I touched my eye about an hour oh, no. the eyes the eyes so guys I'm just I'm out of sorts Ouch. I'm juggling being in the driver's seat I'm, I'm burning my eyes oh. that's what's new with me <laughs> so how did, how did it turn out were you pleased I mean I'm sure this is something you made before but oh I make this all the time yeah. all the time it's like that cold weather hearty We'll be eating Comfort. it all week because yeah. yeah. I cooked yeah. a giant vat of it. Oh. But it gave me the, the stress release I needed, but now I'm paying the price <laughs> in other ways. But that's it. That's new with me. Cool. Maybe I will give a batch of green chile to my enemy. Oh. Oh. Good transition. Oh, yeah. Nice. That was like that it. was good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I said I'd yes. give them a gift, didn't I? <laughs> yes. Barry, you gave the message this weekend. I sure did. Um, tell us your big idea. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we're still in the series. Uh, it's not about me looking at different components of selflessness and, and self-giving love. And we went back to the topic of loving your enemies, which I know and acknowledge that we talked about just last month in December, but kind of took it a little bit of a different direction, tried to focus in a bit on specifically what Jesus had to say about it, because of course it's, it's his teaching. It's where it all comes from. And so I, I, we looked at, at what he had to say in Luke 6, and at the end of the day, basically what he is getting at, in my opinion, is that loving your enemies is not a matter of action. Even though he lists all these things to do, it's not like a to-do list of like, here's what you're supposed to do, now go and do X, Y, Z. It's more about identity. It's more about who you are, and in, in what Jesus is teaching, it it's, it's about being a child of God because God is compassionate. God loves his enemies. God cares for those who don't care for him back. And so um, we need to be, if God loves his enemies, so do his children. The question is, are we his children? Are we, are we living out that identity? And so that was essentially the big idea. And I, I, I gave us an opportunity at the end to just think through and meditate on the love that God has for us and our identity as his children uh, rather than giving a whole bunch of, okay, now here's your assignment for the week, go and do X, Y, Z. I, I just wanted us to sit in that for a bit and think about what it means to be his child. Um, and so there's also a lot of context that we could get into about ancient Near Eastern culture and Roman patron and, and benefactor culture and all that stuff. But but essentially that was the big idea. God loves his enemies, so do his children. And we are his children. Yeah. So it should come naturally as we as we fully live into that identity as as children of God. Yeah. You opened the message by giving us a little bit of contextual background about the honor and shame system yeah. that would have been really well known in that culture but is kind of lost to us. Yeah. Um, and and is also, I should say, very much um it's still very much in effect in a lot of parts of the world, uh East Africa, India, places that I've had a ch- the privilege of being where mm-hmm. it's not the same. It's definitely different than ancient Rome. However, being in an honor-based society is very different from what I would call a sort of a, a guilt-based society, shame-based versus guilt-based. I, we could get into it, mm-hmm. but the, mm-hmm. we are we are different than that. And being able to see some of the textures of that kind of a culture helped me really flesh out and understand in my own understanding what 
what that kind of a culture might have been like. Well, take us back to, I love that you gave a, a shout out to Steve Perkins with yeah. your with your little Latin <laughs> little lesson Latin, yeah. that you gave us um, about a, a benefactor who had yeah. built a bridge. What so, was that about? So yeah, the, in that day, if you didn't hear the sermon, in that day, uh, Jesus's day, especially ancient Rome, there were these really intricate uh, systems in place for how you move up the social ladder, how you get more honor, how you get more dignity. And everybody was trying to do it in whatever way they were, wherever they were on the ladder. They were always trying to move up. And if you had some means, one of the things you could do is to give grace uh, or charis is the Greek word, to give grace to someone, which is essentially a gift or favor uh, like a new bridge or a new building or some grain during a famine or something, you could do that as a benefactor, as a patron. And the people that you helped would then give you honor and praise and dignity. And they would tell everybody around them like, Hey, this guy's amazing. He gave me all this stuff. Like he's a great guy. And so your esteem goes up. They go up the ladder because they're associated with you and you help them. It's like, it's like a win-win. Mm-hmm. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And I showed an example. I was just, I, I, remember in seminary coming across this idea, but there are plaques and statues from all over the inscriptions from all over the ancient world that were celebrating either dead or alive benefactors and how great they were. And everybody was trying to get their name on a plaque basically. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you, there's a plaque that was in Latin and I, I saw the translation online, but I didn't, I don't speak Latin. So I wanted to confirm. And so I sent it to a resident Latin expert who's a, a teacher at, at North Central, Steve Perkins. And I asked him, is he, well, not no. anymore. Is he? <laughs> yeah. not I anymore. think he's at was. Garen Sorry. now. Yeah, now he's at Garen, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, he was like teacher of the year. He's incredible. And so I, I said, Hey, is this what it actually says? And he's like, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. And so, hmm. uh, but it was like of a guy who built a bridge and everybody was like, this man at his own expense built this bridge in honor of his friend. And it's like, it names the friend. It goes on and on. And it's this whole, everybody's like scratching everybody's back and making them all look great. So that part made me wonder, like I said, some of the honor and shameness mm-hmm. has kind of been lost on our culture, but it made me wonder, is that kind of like our modern day, like I think of the Pritzker Pavilion in Chicago, mm. the Pritzker family puts up the money to yeah. construct this really, you know, it's supposed to benefit the community, but really it's like, look at us, we're the Pritzkers. Right. Like, is it, is it kind of like that? I think it totally is. Yeah. And they're still called patrons today, patrons of the arts, like yeah. people who, who invest in in that, in the public good, that it's, it's not quite as explicit maybe as it was back then, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's why we have people putting their names on things to get the prestige that comes with it, even if it's not necessarily a material gain. Yeah. Yeah. But the provoc, I mean, I, I, I think you were, you were driving home what makes Luke six provocative. Yes. Because it's saying if, if you're willing to listen, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but to you who are willing to listen, yeah. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Mm-hmm. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer them the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Mm-hmm. And we all know that one, the, the, right. the golden rule, yeah. right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you if you're New King James like me. And if I was Tyler, <laughs> I would find that soundbite, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> but, but exactly that, that we are to do good yeah. and to bless, to give grace to those who really have nothing to offer us right. themselves right. in return. That's not where our reward is. Right. I, I put this in the fun facts, but the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you, that actually was not, 
it wasn't necessarily something that Jesus came up with. It's actually common in the ancient world. There's there's several references to people saying something either exactly like it or very similar to it, but it's always in the context of do unto others as you would have them do unto you so that they will pay you back for that and give you esteem and honor. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny to hear Jesus say this. I think he's actually, he's undermining that that same mentality. He's saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And wouldn't you like it if someone gave you something and you didn't have to pay him back? Mm. So he's basically like taking it to the next level and saying, what you'd really like is is that. So do that to them. It's And the people he's saying that, that he's talking about are your enemies, the people who aren't going to build a statue of you, mm. who aren't going to put a, your name on a plaque. So, so I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, I was just going to say who... Uh, who would Jesus listeners at, at the moment he was speaking to them, who would have come to their mind as their enemies mm. as they heard those words, who, what mm. faces or titles or categories of people would have been their enemies? Well, almost undoubtedly the Romans. Okay. So, I mean, he's in Galilee, the Roman, there wouldn't have been a huge Roman presence in Galilee, but there would, I mean, anybody who went to, to Nazareth for a, you know, to, take some goods to market or anybody who was in, was in Capernaum or something like they would have encountered these Roman centurions. And these guys were intentionally from other countries. They intentionally bring them from other places. And it's this, so that they can lord it over the people that they're, they're occupying. And they would have taken advantage of it all the time. A lot of critic or a lot of commentators will say that the idea of someone demanding your coat or, or the other in Matthew talks about um, someone demands that you carry their pack for mm. one mile or a mile go the extra mile or whatever that that is the reference to a roman centurion who had the legal authority to force you to carry their pack for a mile mm. just anybody they'd be like hey you come do this i'm i mean think about when jesus was being executed right. by the romans and some random guy they pull him out of the crowd and say here you carry his cross right and it's like yeah. that they could do that and people didn't have an option because Rome was all powerful. So I'm sure Romans were the okay. were probably first and foremost in their mind. But so political, political yeah, the, the enemies, yeah, eth- yeah, yeah. Ethnic. Yeah. And I'm also possible I'm I'm, po- I'm positive that getting into like those who hate you, yes. those who curse you, it's gotta be your neighbor down the street that you've got the spat with. It's the, okay. the wealthy person that stole your aunt's land. Like there there was undoubtedly a lot of that in the sort of agronomist mm. culture that they lived in. So some would have been like uh, idealistic enemies like conceptual because of what they believed or what they mm-hmm. stood for and others would have been like the, the people down the street who they who did stuff to them yeah. actually like okay or i mean we don't think in terms of curses we always think of curses like curse you like mm-hmm. yeah but like i've encountered i mean kenya and haiti i places where people genuinely curse other people and it becomes a burden for their family and there's some dark spiritual stuff going on there All or right. whatever but if someone gets on your bad side you can actually call a curse down upon their family and and that's part of their culture so surely that's part of what he says when when they're cursing you and you bless them that's like it's ridiculous it's wild so i always wonder what was with the the cheek slapping do you think that was like a common occurrence what a strange thing to say if somebody (laughs) slaps you on one cheek i don't know good thing you have two cheeks remember give them the other one (laughs) i i feel like this has not been part of the public discourse but remember the idea of like challenging someone to a duel yeah with the, yeah with the take the glove off and slap them and say I challenge you to a <laughs> duel or whatever. not not do you remember that like none of us are alive <laughs> then that but a biblical practice it's not biblical think? but i wonder like maybe it wasn't maybe it's a 
I don't maybe it's just a thing that people would do as a way of like, I'm not going to fight you, but I'm going to disrespect you deeply. Was like, it would have been the opposite of a, of a kiss? Maybe. Like, you know, kiss, yeah. If they're kissing, if you're kissing, kissing on both cheeks, like a, like a holy greeting, all of a sudden you're like <laughs> slapping them. I don't know. I don't know. But it, I, I think the idea behind it being, and I'm, I'm now I'm just kind of assuming based on human, <laughs> human right. culture, but I, I'm sure it's a very disrespectful thing to do to slap mm-hmm. someone on the cheek. It's not just a, it's not punching them. It's like, I'm going to publicly dishonor you. Other people are going to watch as I slap you on the cheek. And, and if you're being dishonored, what do you do back? You fight back, you grab him, you punch him. Like, but instead he's saying, no, give him the other cheek. Let him dishonor you twice, double dishonor. And it, again, I, I don't, we're so familiar with these words. Yes. I think we just don't cat. We, I don't yeah. think it's, possible to capture just how shocked shocking this would have been for people to hear at one point you said in your message that it's as it's as if jesus is essentially saying in my kingdom i want you to dishonor yourself yeah yeah the countercultural tone of that is not lost on us today mm-hmm. some of the the honor and the shame stuff we might not understand you know the inner workings of a culture that's shame-based or honor-based but we do understand the notion of what did you say? Um, don't try to go up the ladder, but go down the ladder on purpose. On purpose. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the the cool thing is that Jesus didn't just teach these things; he lived them out. And mm-hmm. Barry, remember you talking about uh, the passage in Philippians? Maybe not this last time, but Philippians two mm-hmm. about you know the Jesus um, becoming a man and and. Mm-hmm taking off his power and his posture, his position. Yeah. And, and I think the word that, um, when you talk about humbled himself, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Marin, as you were mentioning the, the idea of dishonoring yourself, mm-hmm. that Jesus humiliated right. himself. Right. right. Probably captures it a, a bit better, captures the feeling of it a bit better than just humbled, which we think of as a good thing. Yeah. Humiliate yeah. is never a good thing, right. but that's more right. of what it kind of implies. Yeah. But I think as we think about loving our enemies, especially if they're people that, well, I guess if they believe something different and, and we have a, uh, you know, there's something going on there or there's something with an action or whatever that's harmful. And we think about it really can feel like you are to not only uh, not come ag- against them and, and try to fight it, but to actually almost, I don't know, if, like letting them win is what it yeah. feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that feels like humiliation. Absolutely. Right. right. You know? And it feels unjust sometimes like you think like that would be wrong for that person Mm -hmm. to win Mm -hmm. that's how like in our spirits we're like no that's oh that's just so so wrong and yet yeah yeah that's what he's calling us to and i I suppose this is also probably a good time to mention something that we talked about last month Mm -hmm. and i had someone in the in the lobby asking me for clarification on this but again i i want to be clear that when we talk about this this letting your enemies win so to speak this is not I, I genuinely don't believe this is a uh, an invitation to allow abuse to continue, right? To to yeah. in in the sense of like if there's physical or or emotional or verbal abuse, especially in a family s- setting, to to simply just let an abuser abuse you, I don't believe at all. That's what Jesus is getting at. I think the well, like I said, then the most loving thing you might do in a setting like that is to actually remove the opportunity for that abuser to abuse you yeah. by, by leaving that situation. Mm-hmm. That may be how you love your enemy rather than letting them continue to, to abuse you. So I, I don't want to make it sound like the best thing for everyone to do in a, in a 
deeply dangerous or hurtful setting is to just keep allowing yourself to be trampled over by someone abusing you. But yeah, nevertheless, so it makes sense. when it comes to bigger concepts of, of enemies and, and public shame and dishonor, that's, that's something we have to wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that when, I remember when you said that, because that, that really set me free from, from some things that I've been dealing with in my own family. I haven't really mm. talked about it on the, on the podcast or anything. Um, but there was a situation where there, there is somebody who is toxic and harmful and manipulative. And, and, and I, I had to remove myself from the, the, the line of destruction, sure. <laughs> the yeah. path yeah. of destruction, yeah. Yeah. but I'm still struck by, um, this sentence, pray for those who hurt you. Mm. I think to, to be very personal, I have recoiled from the pain. Yeah. But there is perhaps a better step mm. that I could take even even in my pain. Um have I prayed for those who have hurt me? Mm. That's that's part of what what this particular message spoke to me as I read mm. the word. And yeah. the word is alive and again, I've read this passage countless times. Sure. And that line didn't jump out to me the way that it jumped out to me this weekend, maybe yeah. because I didn't need it to jump out to me that way before, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but the word is alive and it's speaking to real time situations That's in right. my real life. Um, it's so simple. Pray for those who hurt you. So that that's, that's one of the things that I'm taking away from this message. Um, as I sit here and I think about it, the other thing, you know, we talked about, the, the command to love our enemies and to humble ourselves essentially means like, you know, give to people who can't necessarily pay you back. Mm-hmm. Um, it even says um, to uh, lend to others. Yeah, without, that's it. Lend yeah. to others without expecting anything in return. <laughs> even sinners lend to other sinners for a full return, yeah. but we're, we're not to be like that. Lend to those without expecting anything in return because our reward comes from somewhere else mm. our reward doesn't come from from people um it comes from the father it says uh do not judge others and do not be judged or and you will not be judged do not condemn others or it will all come back against you forgive others and you will be forgiven give and you will receive your gift will return to you in full pressed down and shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Um, before that, it said uh, your reward from heaven will be very great and you'll be acting as children of the most high. So the reward comes to us from heaven. Mm. And I've heard this again a lot throughout my life, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Right. We, we like <laughs> to say that a lot right. <laughs> when we're praying, uh, especially when we're praying for other people. Lord, sure. I pray that you'd bless them, shape, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The picture of the coal buckets yeah. was such a great visual to drive that point home. Mm. I never thought of, I've, I've heard of, you know, wheat 
Yeah. If, if you want to get the most product, the most bang for your buck, right. I've heard of shaking the buckets so the dust settles to the bottom and pressing it in so you can pack more in there. Yeah. And I, I've heard it described for what it is. Yeah. I have not heard it described for what it is not. <laughs> right. What the, what, how it normally goes. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about why you chose to use the opposite imagery there. Uh, I don't know why that popped into my head, but I remember being so struck when I was in Nairobi to see, and I'm sorry if you have, if you already saw the message, I'll just recap it. But in Nairobi, in, in Kibera slum, people sell charcoal for cooking stoves and they put them in these buckets and every bucket costs the same amount. So it's like by volume, but, uh, and on top of the bucket, you see this big pile. It looks like it's like they barely could fit it all in there because they're just overflowing it. But if you look inside the bucket, we, we laughed about this all the time. Every, inside the bucket was like three pieces of coal that they had artfully <laughs> put a structure together so that all the stuff on top was just resting on it. And it looks like it's a giant full bucket, but really all you're getting is the stuff on top of the bucket and a couple extra pieces. So that's the, that's, and of course you do that because you're trying to make your, it's, it's, you're in poverty. You're trying to survive. So you're trying to, but like, it's just a normal part of how it goes. And I could just imagine, I don't know, maybe it's wheat, maybe it's fruit, maybe, whatever. I could just imagine that being the same mentality. How can I, uh, you, you know, like when you get a, uh, a bottle of something and it turns out the entire bottom of the bottle or like a candle where it's actually only the top little bit of the candle is actually wax. And there's a giant platform underneath it you're not really getting the same amount i think it's just the same idea people do that yeah. to make as much money on as little product as they can yeah i think it's why we fill our cups with ice <laughs> before we <laughs> add the beverage there right you go. Like, yeah yeah there's anyway. something that, yeah i think the inverse image yes actually made what god is doing here or says he's going to do in this passage i don't know that much more like meaningful and yeah. vivid and like yeah. it's it's extravagant and well, yeah and and, and running over it's yeah. not it's not even enough for him that he fill right. our bucket right he's gonna press it down yeah and yep. it's not even enough that he press it down he's gonna keep pouring until yeah. we literally yeah. can't take any more blessings right that it is running right over and i love that again i've heard this i've heard this passage used in other sermons mm -hmm. to describe you can't outgive god yeah like monetary giving mm-hmm mm -hmm. But what you're describing here is self-giving love as you love your enemies in the economy of Christ. Mm -hmm. He repays you for the hard work of loving your enemies yeah. by blessing you over pressed the top. down over the top. Yeah. 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 And I, I only briefly went there. I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. Uh, when, when it comes to what it is that God blesses us with, mm -hmm. I kind of went there, but honestly, I'm I'm open to other suggestions. Obviously we can think about like the resurrection and the new creation and all of what we'll gain in the presence of God. But in this life, I think there's still a component of what we receive from heaven. And I suggested in my message, when you see people who are very, very loving, you also seem, they also seem to be very peaceful, very content. They seem to, it's like a whole package of what they receive this blessing from God. What do you guys think is the, what is it that God blesses us with? What is it that he's pressing down and, and shaking together like uh, in this life, if, if anything? I think some of that is described right here in this passage. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. So he's giving me by the measure of which I have shown somebody else, given to someone else. So if I am not sitting in judgment towards someone else, then he is going to show me mercy. Mm. Mercy is going to be one of those things that yeah. comes back to me running over. Mm. 
um, forgive others and you will be forgiven. It's very uh, transactional yeah. in this passage. Yeah. And so I wonder if forgiveness as I am giving it to others mm. is one of those things that's going to come back to me mm-hmm. in abundance, pressed down, shaken together. I think it's too easy for us in our culture to be like, you know, a prosperity sure. message here. Right. Like, you know, you'll always Love get your amens enemies, when you get the check. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to bless you with monetary things or sure. earthly goods, but um, joy, peace, um, they sound even almost cliche to say them, but have you ever been in a place without joy? Mm. <laughs> have you ever been in a place without peace? Um, if you've been in a place like that, you know that peace is everything yeah. and joy is everything. And he can give us that and will give us that in droves. I don't know. That's how I would answer that. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, just to kind of uh, tag on to that, Marin, like I, I had not put, I think I've heard those two, the previous passage, the previous verses usually disconnected from mm. the second passage. So, to, mm-hmm. so when it came up and we got into that section about do not judge, do not condemn, forgive others, I, I, had almost heard those as two different messages. Right. So when it's attached to the idea of loving your enemy, then it, it took on a whole new meaning. And I was thinking about, well, enemies are often created because I judge people mm. or because I'm condemning somebody or because someone's hurt me. So um, I, I hold a grudge. Sure. So those are, those are reasons that enemies get created. And I just thought about, um, as you were talking, Marin, as you experience the joy and the peace, I think because you've been freed up. There's a lot of energy that goes into judging and Mm. condemning and holding Mm. grudges. It just, it takes a lot out of you to hold on to those things. And, and then I think if you've been hurt, it's often uh, really easy, I think to self protect and even to begin to be on the attack. Yeah. And that just takes a lot of uh, obviously it's, it's going to, uh, take joy away and uh, mm. take peace away, but it also can become just consuming. Mm. Yeah, that's really true. And the energy of that and the the negativity of that. I think Jesus is like I, I don't want you to I don't want you to live in that kind of dynamic all the time. I want to free you from that. Mm. So I don't know. That's kind of what hit me as I was listening to what you just said, Marin. And then as I was kind of thinking about what you said yesterday. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, and by the way, little little. BYOB, bring your own Bible fact for anyone who's reading the Bible. When you see a section heading, like in in my Bible, it says, do not judge others. And then it begins verse 37. Those don't exist yeah, in the right. original text. They were not there. Everything <laughs> yeah. was a giant block of text. They didn't even have verses. We added those all later. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to assume there's a section break unless yeah. it's very obvious in the way that the language is worded that there's a section break. So yeah, I think... I think this is definitely still connecting the same thought. I it, personally, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. We are the ones who like to draw linear lines through yeah. things and say, "Oh, okay, he's talking about loving your enemies, but now he's talking about right. tithing." Right. And yeah. if we yeah. give to him, he's going to give <laughs> right. back to us. Like, right. no. This- and then look what he says right after that. He talks about the speck in your eye and the log in your brother's eye. Like, it's yeah. oh, we're still talking about the mm-hmm. same topic, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. And then he gets into a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. It's like, oh, that's all connected. It's all yeah. one big idea, one big sermon. So, wow. um, But here's the thing, and I, I wanted to get your take on this because I I talk about that, that tra- the, I talk, called it the uh, 
the economy of self-giving love where it's you give mm-hmm. a dollar of forgiveness and you get back a buck 50 in God's grace or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and I, I, I said, that's, that's all true. I mean, Jesus makes that the case, but I wanted to indicate, or I wanted to, to get into the idea of that's not why we do it. Like that's not the motivation for us. That's not what we shouldn't be going about loving our enemies so that we get the blessings back from God. It's not, it, that's not the reason we do it. And I, I wanted to point out the fact that the reason we do it is because we're his children. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the gifts come because like, he's our dad. He gives us great stuff because we're like kids. We're like the children of the king. We're the princes and princesses of this kingdom. And so he gives us incredible things. It comes with the territory. That's, that's how it works. But we don't, lo- we love other, our enemies. We, we land without expecting a return because that's what our dad does. That's what our father does. And it's, it's what this family does. It's who we are. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you guys had anything. I mentioned there are some things that certain families yeah. do. Like this yeah, is just that. how our family is. In my family, yeah. it was all writing thank you notes yeah. and, and mom was there at 11 and, and we were laughing about that. So <laughs> do you guys have something where like your family, like this is just how our family is something we do? Oh, I'm sure we have a lot of those things. I, I, my family has been musical for generations mm. and I think, that's hugely it's it's a it's a hallmark of my family yeah um my grandparents my parents now me my kids they're right. both super musical like i don't think there's any getting away from that right in our we are a musical family. we are a musical family <laughs> passionate about music totally i think uh probably not that i ever heard this word growing up but i feel like it's a word i've grasped on too and i talk about it with 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 our family now with with my wife and with max and and he's so tired of it, but it's the word grit. <laughs> grit. <laughs> Ooh, gritty. Gotta, Get on that riding lawnmower. We, yes. We got we to gotta <laughs> build up some grit here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. That's not definitely a reward of any kind. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So. The, um, the, the scripture that points to what you're talking about, Barry, you know, it, it, it does sound transactional. If you don't judge others, then you won't be judged. It's it's like a, a this then that, you know, trading one for the other. But in Luke 6, um, it said, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid, then your reward in heaven will be very great and you will be acting mm. as children of the Most High, acting like our Father. You will be acting as children of the Most High for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And that's what you were saying. What if this was a matter of identity more than a transactional to-do list? Right. Right. And I think that was a big shift for many people. So yes. somebody somebody was talking to me in the yeah. green room who had sat through the 915 service mm. and that was the point that that person made like wow Barry really took a different take on this mm. because we do we we try to kind of summon the strength and the energy to this week yeah. I'm going to be patient this week I'm going right. to give a gift to someone I hate this right, week right. I'm going to you know we do treat it as a to-do list but you told us this week to kind of throw the to-do list out the window yeah. and try to think of this more as a matter of our identity. Right. Just this is who we are if we're in this family. Right. right. In the family of What's God. your to-be list? Whoa. Whoa. I don't think that's actually going to stick. That's not Man. good. <laughs> to-be list. <laughs> no, but I think 
the the idea of um and we took some time to do this at the end of the message which i think was fantastic uh to the only way to do that is to to be is to receive from the one who is right so to allow god to love us and to be reminded of how loved we are mm. um you know when jesus talks there's another uh i can't even remember the context of the story but when he talks about um he who is forgiven much loves much mm-hmm. and to be un- to understand um because it's easy for us to i think we forget really easily how much on a regular basis we need forgiveness that god forgives us to receive that to receive that love from him it's like mm. that's what changes us and allows us to be and then hopefully the doing comes from the being not right. the other way around absolutely flows out of who we are yeah. rather than it's something that we work so hard to accomplish absolutely yeah. you awesome. said having received love you'll be transformed into a person who loves technically dallas willard said that that was dallas willard <laughs> Thanks, dallas <laughs> yeah. and this is honestly his this was his big thing mm-hmm. towards the end of his life all of the the writing that I've read of his, all of his teaching, it it's focused on us being transformed to look, to be like Christ, Christ-like in all aspects of who we are. Because when that happens, then the doing flows. The doing happens, like all this stuff naturally happens when we are the kinds of people who love, the kinds of people who who are concerned more about others than ourselves, the kinds of people who set ourselves aside. When that becomes who we are because of who he is, then all the other stuff just happens mm. because it's natural to us. Yeah. Be so. transformed. Yeah. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. I wonder how many think, you know, I've given my life to Christ, therefore I'm a new person. Mm. And really can kind of continue to be the person they always were. Right. With the add-on of, well, I go to church now. Right. Or the add-on of, well, you know, I wasn't a Christian then, I didn't believe that then, but I do believe that now, so... And and maybe that's for them where the transformation stops. But mm. you remind us all the time that the transformation is ongoing. Yeah. And I think that's why I, I'm not bothered when you talk about loving our enemies two months in a row. I mean, <laughs> we're probably <laughs> oh, not going to get it all the right. first yeah. time. Yeah. You know, but are we being perpetually transformed yeah. to act like our father because of who our father is. Mm-hmm. Do we even get that that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians? Right. Are we are we actively pursuing transformation? Mm. I think that's the key and I think honestly that's part of what I I kind of want us to focus on for the whole year as we we're, we're in the process of beginning to talk about redoing a uh, way of discipleship, bringing it back because, because that whole life transformation is so vital. It's not enough to just have some head knowledge. It's not enough to just have some transaction with God. It's, it is a lifetime of transformation. And I really want us to get, get that back in front of us. So we're all thinking that way because yeah, it is. Yeah. Hey, one last, as we wrap up here, yeah. that last song was, yeah, it was oh. so cool. <laughs> yeah perfect perfect thank you i i love when songs work out well yes <laughs> thank you that's from a band called the brilliance and that song brother has been one of my families my musical uh-huh. very musical family it's been one of our favorites for for some time cool. um and so being able to bring that to grace church and 
uh, Jaden was super excited oh. that we were doing that song, <laughs> yeah. and he was super That's excited cool. that that he happened to be scheduled, and Sweet. it was really cool. And got to give it up point. for for Jeff McCracken. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was just gonna say that my brother in law. It was his amazing, birthday. He did a, it was an incredible <laughs> birthday song. I loved it. Yeah, he he isn't the most comfortable person being put front and center, but more and more, <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> you're doing it, letting me put him into uncomfortable situations, and it's awesome. And now it's so that was a really fun weekend we had actually two first timers did you know that yes two first timers oh, I, I noticed one uh two two awesome. two first time uh joining us uh great. for uh for weekend that's worship awesome. so that's great yeah cool well thanks barry thanks yeah, for a great absolutely. message where are we going from here well next week we finish the series we are going to be looking at one more sort of concept from the setting ourselves aside from selflessness and it has to do with different generations within the church and the what humility looks like in a time when when generations kind of don't like each other. Uh, how could we be different than that? And mm. how could we set ourselves aside? And I, yeah, it'll be good. I think it'll be interesting. So I'm really excited. Again, I see a lot of the intergenerational aspect of who we are as Grace Church mm-hmm. in my team. Yeah, I see it in production. I see it in worship. The, the two first timers we had this past weekend, I hope they don't mind me saying this, but one is in high school. And one is a grandma. Hmm. And if that is not the most intergenerational thing, well, it's amazing. I it's mean, awesome. that, a, that a high schooler and a grandma would both come to me and, and want to be part of this team. Yeah. So yeah. we need messages like that. What What is it going to take for us to be sustainable and to maintain this this healthy intergenerational connection that we That's right. have? That's right. So, cool. yeah, it's where we're headed. Come back next week. Yeah, please cool. do. Can't wait. All Until right. then. Yeah, Marin, could you please send us out? <laughs> Tyler, we miss you. Yes, I will. Um, God is watching. Nope. That's the <laughs> Again, Tyler. So Tyler, we really miss you. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. We'll see you on the other side of Sunday.